The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a first-time story. After nine years of performing original songs at Body Storytelling, we have a story this week from Rachel Lark. People tell me, people tell me they love my stories. You're not going to like this week's story, at least the part that comes from me. I'm a really good story coach. I'm not an overconfident person, that's for sure. But I really love helping people find their stories. And my stories, the ones that are heartrending, the ones that are poignant, those are the ones that stick with people. This week, we're going to talk about the hardest thing I've ever done. And yes, it is a continuation of last week's story. My St. Bernard Quake is almost 10 years old. And suddenly it was obvious that he was in exquisite pain. I didn't know what to do. I sent him to the veterinarian. I asked for their advice. They sent me an email that was written in medical gibberish. I had my best friend read it to me to try and explain because I was in that trauma response you have where nothing can get through. I call it the electric fence. If it were a small animal, it would just drop to the ground stunned. And that's how my brain felt with information trying to get in. I could tell something was really wrong. He was almost entirely paralyzed in the back. And my dog weighs 166 pounds. He went in to get x-rays last Thursday and they had to sedate him. They had to um, keep him all day. I told them that I was teaching a storytelling workshop, that I'd need to pick him up by 4 p.m. I dropped him off before 8 a.m. And they said, well, we'll do our best to have him done by 4 p.m. So I called my assistant and dear friend Crystal and said, I need you to take my credit card, go pick up Quake from the vet in Pacifica and keep him content get him up the stairs and crystal is the strongest person i've ever met she's like that character in encanto the one who is so strong she can do anything that's her superpower and quake loves her she's his favorite person in the world other than me and so while i taught my class quake and crystal came in and he was really really groggy in fact 
She left him in the car and let him snore, and I came out at the quick five-minute break and touched his paw and listened to him snore and made sure he was okay, and then I went back to class. And later on that night, the two of us tried to get him back into the house. He was really out of it. And we settled him into his bed, and we couldn't tell how much was the anesthesia. We couldn't tell how much was the pain. It was really hard to tell. They prescribed a bunch of new meds, and I got the biggest bottles I can, of course, because he's a big dog. And I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. When the vet sent me the email and I tried to read it, it was like, well, this could be temporary. You really need to go to a neurologist. You really need to get an MRI because he's at an x-ray and we don't have an MRI here. So I started calling neurologists. Well, since the pandemic, all pet care services, all veterinary services are completely inundated. I called every veterinary MRI neurology service I could. Some of them were up to 250 miles away. The earliest appointment I could get for him right now, it's the beginning of August. The earliest appointment I could get was September 25th. And I can't lift this dog. And I did not want him to be in pain until September 25th so that I could at least have some advice on what to do. I had it in my mind when the vet said, the only person who can tell you what to do is a neurologist, that the neurologist would give me an answer since the vet didn't. So I called Quake's former dog walker, Terry. And I said, Terry, I really need you to come over. And I need you to talk to me about what's happening. You were a vet technician. You're a dog walker. Your whole life is dogs. Please just come be with me and Quake. He loves you. And we sat down on the living room floor with him. And we talked about him. In dog voices, of course. And he was so happy. There was this bully stick. Which is a dog's penis, by the way. And... He picked it up. It had been laying there for a week. He picked it up and he started chewing on it in that happy, oh my God, I I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm just going to chew this thing because I have energy. It's kind of like the zoomies for a dog. And we just talked about it. And I'm like, so it sounds like neurologist. If I can just find a neurologist, if I can get a neurologist, that's going to tell me what to do. And Terry said, you have to think about what Quake wants listen to him he'll tell you and at 5 a.m. the next morning I woke up to Quake crying in pain and Quake doesn't cry he does whine occasionally but he he doesn't cry ever and I looked at him and I said okay buddy I got it I understand so I started looking for in-home euthanasia and I just wanted to do it fast I just wanted, I was so afraid I was making the wrong decision because no veterinarian, I couldn't find a neurologist. I was just so afraid I was making the wrong decision since he couldn't tell me. I just said, I just have to do it fast. And my mind just wasn't working. It was the electric offense. It wouldn't get through. Nothing was connecting. 
No simple task would work. So I called little P again, who's very good at logistical stuff, who's very good at who's very good at spreadsheets when I'm the idea person. I'm really good at, you know, creating and she's very good at making it happen. And I said, I need to ask you to do something really important. I need you to book the euthanasia appointment and I need you to get the very earliest one you can before I change my mind. So she started and she created a spreadsheet, of course, like she does. And these were maybes and these were no's. And there was one of them. By the way, can I add the veterinarian who sent me an email who told me you need a neurologist. And I called back and talked to the staff the next day. And I said, I really need the veterinarian to call this neurology center at UC Davis veterinary clinic or whatever it was I need I need to get a veterinary referral so that I will know whether or not I need to schedule euthanasia for my dog I need that I need the vet to call me today or tomorrow and I need them to call that and the vet never called me and never called them how awful is that nothing so no answer there no help there. So P is calling everybody. P's calling all the in-home ones. One of them was able to come Monday night at 7 p.m. to do it, but they would not be able to dispose of the body. And my last St. Bernard died uh, and did we did in-home euthanasia. And I was like, well, I, I kind of saw how they did it. And I'm in that crazy brain, that crazy brain where you've just got so much grief going on. You think you can do everything. And at the same time, you think you can do nothing. And I'm like, if I can get my hands on a stretcher, they took mac and cheese. My last St. Bernard, they took mac and cheese out on a stretcher. If I can get a stretcher, we can do it. Well, what do you do with a dog's body at 9 p.m. at night? What What are you going to do? And where are you going to take it anyway? I don't know these things. But I was like, maybe we should take that one. That's the earliest one. It is now Friday night, Saturday morning. And it's obvious the earliest appointment because palliative care is just as overwhelmed as the rest of the veterinary services are. It's obvious it's not going to happen for days. Some of them are looking like it's a week out and I'm, I can't do this. My friend Crystal brought him home from the x-ray appointment and never left she didn't leave until yeah then and little p came over on monday and didn't leave until about 20 minutes ago finally little p found an appointment it's saturday morning and she says okay i found this appointment monday around one and i'm like oh what how am I gonna know if I'm making the right decision? That's like two days. That's two days away. I can't do it. I can't wait two days. How are we gonna deal with him for two more days? Like he's in pain. We can't lift him. And that was the best we could do. It was so astonishingly expensive, all of it. And also, <laughs> Crystal's out of work. Other friends were out of work and so, uh, the GoFundMe, some of that money's going to them for being able to lift my dog and take care of my dog and make make other parts of this. When I realized Saturday morning that it wasn't going to happen till Monday afternoon, 
I shifted gears and said, okay, great. This weekend just became Quake's Make-A-Wish weekend. What does Quake want? What does Quake love? Well, number one is Quake loves swimming. He can't swim, but he loves to put himself in bodies of water because it takes the weight off his joints. It relieves his arthritis. He's got a torn ACL that helps with that. It just makes him feel buoyant. The water feels good on him. He's a sensualist. He loves to be brushed and stroked. He loves the water. So I was like, okay, the only way we're going to be able to get through this is to enlist everybody I know to make it his Make-A-Wish weekend. So we got up on Saturday. There was very little sleep. There has been very little sleep even at this point. And we started planning it out. Crystal is super strong, so Crystal was going to take him to Point Isabel, and she was going to let him swim in the bay. She was going to carry him to the water. We ordered a special kind of harness where there was a handle for the front of his body and a handle for his back hips so that we could carry him together. Except Crystal's strong, she could do it by herself. And she carried him out to the water, even though he's 166 pounds. And once he got out there, he took off. It was like he was going to swim out to sea, which made me wonder about what they say about animals when they're ready to die, about how they just want to go away into the woods. He just took off like he wanted to head into the ocean. And we had to just let him swim and then bring him back. And when we did bring him back, at one point, he let out this yelp of pain that just tore my heart apart. And I was like, we, okay, we have to let him rest. We have to get him back into the van. We took him for long car rides in the van that Crystal has. And he loved that. He loves going for car rides. We took him for ice cream every day. We made him a ribeye steak. We made him mashed potatoes. We made him a plate of bacon. We let him try every kind of ice cream, including chocolate, because why the fuck not? He went for long rides. The second day, I, I really wanted to do better than I had the first day with the swim. I mean, the surf was heavy at Point Isabel. So on Sunday, I'm like, this is the last Make-A-Wish day. And I want this day to be peaceful. And we talked about it. And my friend Hannah, who used to be my assistant, said, let's go to Aquatic Park and let's take him there. And I don't know that. It's in Berkeley. And we all met there. Crystal, Little P, Hannah, me, Quake. We brought him some Foster's Freeze. He had more ice cream. We fed him some french fries and we lowered him into the most disgusting brackish water there was. Hannah was wearing waterproof leather boots and some sort of bib overalls and the water smelled terrible. And she waited out with him and I've, the look on his face was so peaceful. It was exactly what he wanted. And he floated for a long time, felt like at least an hour, just floating in that water. This peaceful, happy look on his face. And eventually, we even found like a cart that was big enough for him so that we could take him for a ride and let him smell the trees and the flowers and say hi to other dogs, but he did not like the cart and that didn't work. So we took him to Hannah's backyard and we gave him a long, slow bath and scrubbed him clean of all that brackish water and then brought him home and toweled him off. Crystal brought in a mattress, covered it with 
chucks so that as things happened at the end, the mattress wouldn't be destroyed. Covered it with sheets and blankets. And my plan was to tell Quake the story of his life on his last night. But he was really exhausted. He was on a lot of pain pills. So we snuggled together and slept on the living room floor on that mattress on our last night. Just me and him. And he died peacefully at home a couple of days ago. Quake is named Quake because he arrived on August 24th. His name was Ricky when I first got him. And I said, that's too many Talladega Nights jokes. I'm Dixie. You're Ricky. Can't have it. I will adopt you if you take another name. He high-fived me. I brought him home. I tried other names that sounded like Ricky. He didn't respond. Settled him in at midnight and at 3 o'clock in the morning, the Napa 6.4 earthquake happened. And when I sat up in bed from a dead sleep and went, is that the dog? And my ex-partner went, it's a quake. The dog jumped on the bed and looked us in the eye and went, what did you call me? So he named himself Quake. He arrived in August, eight years ago. He left on August 1st, 2022. And my heart is completely broken. He was the love of my life and I will never be the same. I promised him so many things that will now never come true. I promised him the most massive 10th birthday party. That would have been in November. I promised him another RV road trip. My plan is to put his ashes in an urn that will be decorated with images of him. With a big paw print, his paws were just legendary. And he'll travel with me and I'll scatter his ashes in some of the places I think he would have liked to smell. He'll always be in my heart, so I'd like to have a part of him with me too. I don't need any knickknacks, really. I don't need anything else to tote around. But Quake was never a burden. Even on the days that it was a lot to have a 166-pound, almost 10-year-old St. Bernard, it was never too much. Rest in peace, Quake Delator. You'll always be the love of my life. Do you remember being tucked into bed with your favorite story and dozing off even before you got to your favorite part? With Calm's Sleep Stories, you can pause your racing thoughts, relax your mind, and enjoy the ease of drifting off to dreamland. Body Storytelling is partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Calm can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. Right now, if you go to calm.com Dixie, you'll get an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. You probably know that I'm a voice person, and I love the narrator's voice on the Calm app. It's so soothing. I found it helpful to turn on Calm during a flight in the past. I have a lot of anxiety around flying, and it helps me block out the chaos around me really well when I fly. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds, and new content is added every week. I want you to feel amazing. 
So go to calm.com slash Dixie for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash Dixie. Simple pleasures are the best, especially in summertime. There's sun on your body. Perhaps you're at the beach or camping in the woods. So when you're headed out for adventure in nature this summer, don't forget the Uberlube. Uberlube is a luxurious high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean body-safe ingredients. It's free from nasty additives like parabens, preservatives, or petrochemicals. Uberlube leaves you feeling moisturized and ready for what's next. It's great for all kinds of play vaginal, oral, or anal, and thousands of doctors recommend Uberlube for its simple ingredient list. Uberlube offers long-lasting performance when you want it, then it quickly dissipates without leaving a sticky residue. It cleans up easily. There's no flavor or scent, and it's latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms too. It's only natural to want to feel good about what goes inside your body, so give Uberlube a try. And because you're a fan of this podcast, they're offering body storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. Lubrication is so important. And when it comes to lubrication, nothing beats Uberlube. Remember, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code Dixie at uberlube.com. Uberlube. It lets you feel what you want to feel. Are you ready for your storyteller? Because this week, you're getting a first. I don't think this has ever happened anywhere. It was definitely a first for me. First, let me give you a backstory. About nine years ago, I had booked a musical act to open body storytelling. It was a traveling review of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. There were six Hedwigs, and they were all performing different songs from our beloved movie, the one we all love. The day before the show, I got an email that said, uh, the Hedwigs are sick, and they can't do your show. And I said, what do you mean the Hedwigs are sick? There's six Hedwigs. Nobody's, Nobody's able to perform? And they're like, nope, nobody. And I freaked out, and I started texting everyone I know. Do you know anybody who could fill in its... It's so much better with live music. Is there anybody who can perform? And a friend of mine said, I have seen somebody really recently. She's great. She's perfect for your show. She asked permission to put us in touch. And when I got on the phone with her, I said, okay, I hear you're perfect. Tell me about your dirty songs. And she said, I don't have any dirty songs. And I said, why are you perfect? And she said, well, I have one that sounds kind of dirty. It's not dirty, but it sounds kind of dirty if you, you know, kind of don't really pay attention. I'm like, great. Open with that. That's what we're going to do because the show's about to happen. And she was so great, so talented, so incredible. And she stayed through the whole show, performed three songs. And at the end of the night, when I went to thank her, I said, you saved my ass. You're so talented. And she said, you know, I could write songs for body storytelling. And she has been writing custom songs, original songs for us that really made this huge change in what we do. 
It was a huge change for Rachel Lark. It was a huge change for body storytelling. And the way that we would do this would be I would tell her an upcoming theme and she would do her own thing. I wouldn't know what was going to happen. She'd surprise me on stage with a brilliant song for years and years. And recently, for our 15th anniversary show back in February, I asked her if she'd like to perform because she always performs at our anniversary shows. And she said, would you like me to tell a story? And that had never been an offer before. And I, I was like, uh, how about we have you? Yeah, yeah, let's, yes, definitely. And I got to coach her and I got to work with her on the story. And I've always known the inside of her mind was interesting, but I got a really unfiltered peek. And I'm even more impressed than I was after all those years of just giving her a theme and then having this incredible song come out the other end on stage next to me in front of hundreds of people. So let me tell you about your storyteller. Rachel Lark is a formerly Oakland-based singer-songwriter and the writer and star of a new musical, Coming Soon, which premiered in San Francisco in April 2022. Her music has been featured on Billboard, Upworthy, Boing Boing, Salon.com, The Savage Lovecast, and more. She's been a longtime musical guest at Body Storytelling, but this, this story you're about to listen to, was her storytelling debut. To learn more about Rachel Lark, you can visit her website or check out her Patreon page. While Rachel Lark has left the Bay Area, she's promised to return from time to time, and we hope to have her back at Body again, because it's not the same without her. This storyteller is Rachel Lark. I feel so exposed without an instrument. This is, what do I do? Okay. Whew. So um, I am wearing maybe the sexiest lingerie I've ever worn. My makeup is immaculate. I have glitter on my eyelids because I love glitter. Um, my hair is like super cute. I've got these two buns and I look incredible, frankly. Um, but I can't see anything because I am in a sleeping bag on the floor of a dungeon that I've rented. Um, <clears throat> I'm waiting for a scene to start and um, I am so nervous. <laughs> so five weeks prior to this, I met Tim on Tinder. Um, I was not looking for a relationship, hence Tinder. Um, <laughs> but when we met, there was this undeniable strong connection. Um, this guy was like, if Chris Pratt had the sexual imagination of Neil Gaiman, <laughs> like, that's what we were working with. Um, it was just this powerful connection and he didn't live in town, but we knew this wasn't gonna be like a one night thing. We, we had to stay in touch, so, um, you know, he left after a couple very hot days together and we kept the connection going through 
sexting and scheduled FaceTimes. And um, we fell into this very fun, very creative, like dom sub texting dynamic where he would give me different assignments and I would complete them. And one of the assignments turned out to be a revelation. Um, he asked me to send him uh, a link to some porn and then he wanted me to describe what about the porn I thought was hot and what in the porn I might want to do. It's a great exercise. <laughs> I have never ever thought about porn like this before. I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but so I ended up sending him this kind of ridiculous little animated masterpiece of uh, uh, this guy on a spaceship fucking a female-bodied robot. Um, and when I sent it to him, he texted me the next morning and he said, this opens up worlds of possibility for us. <laughs> so at that point, we needed to discuss what in this fictional scene we wanted to do. So we were going to need to ramp things up. Uh, we needed a Google Drive. Um, <laughs> So, you know, um, in the Google Drive, we had a few crucial documents. Um, we had a spreadsheet that was going to keep track of, like, all the props and toys that we owned and all the ones that we needed to buy with, like, different options for each one um, because we're smart shoppers. Um, we also had a folder for all of our videos that we didn't want to keep on our phone. Um, and then the most crucial document that we had was our scene planning doc. Um, so <laughs> the scene planning doc was like this running list of different scenes that we wanted to do. And for each scene, it listed um, like whose idea it was, um, what they wanted to get out of it, like what kind of sort of final release they were looking for, whether there was some specific intention, um, any particular like words or phrases that would be good to be heard during the scene, um, also any potential triggers. Um, and, you know, of course, a prop and outfit list. <laughs> so um, the scene that we ended up spending the most time planning was this robot scene. And um, we decided, you know, I was going to be the robot and it was going to be a sex robot that was delivered to his door and he was going to find me and unbox me and turn me on and use me. And it was going to be great. And we just talked in, in detail, you know, like all these different things, triggers, uh, uh, musts, um, you know, things to avoid, phrases to say, all that stuff. Um, and uh, pretty soon he'd made plans to come visit me. So I rented a dungeon. And um, in anticipation of this, you know, scene that we were going to do that we had planned to the nines, I decided to do something a little risky. I decided to come up with a surprise. And um, the surprise was a hard copy paper owner's manual. So um, on the front of this owner's manual was a picture of me. Um, it said, your very own Rachel at the top um, with um, uh, a 2021 trademark Rachel Robots Incorporated on the bottom. <laughs> um, there's a table of contents, of course. Um, 
It, it included things like, um, you know, the first section was like, included with your robot, and then that listed all the toys I wanted him to use on me in the scene. Um, there was also uh, features. So uh, that included things like realistic response system, um, <laughs> will get wet and make sounds like a real human. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was also, boldly, uh, infinite pain tolerance. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, um, inability to be shocked, grossed out, or in any way thrown off. Um, I also included a troubleshooting section. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, like, um, robots wouldn't, you know, lots of people use, like, yellow and red as their safe word system, but I was like, a robot wouldn't yellow. Like, it's an object, you know? So, um, in this section, I, I wrote, um, you know, low battery uh, will be heard from your robot if you are using it too aggressively. Um, so, and then, oh yeah, and then <laughs> at the end of the, the uh, manual was this section that said, caution, must read, please read before operating, exclamation point, exclamation point. And it said, do not under any circumstances make your robot come 10 times. <laughs> if you do, your robot will gain consciousness. And even though they are programmed to be submissive, in fact, <laughs> they are far stronger than you and have a far greater sexual appetite, and they might not let you leave. Because <laughs> the thing was, in the original porn, there was actually like this switch that happened where the robot had overtaken the guy, and I always thought that was kind of hot. Um, I'd never actually dommed someone really in my life, but I figured I'll just throw that in there as a little surprise. <laughs> It'll figure itself out. Um, so um, I'm back in the sleeping bag. I have placed, oh, why am I in a sleeping bag? Good question. Um, we couldn't find a box that was big enough for the unboxing, so I borrowed a friend's sleeping bag. Um, they were like, oh, are you going camping? I was like, no, really. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am lying in this sleeping bag, um, and I have placed outside of the sleeping bag this owner's manual that I know is going to be like a total surprise. Um, so uh, pretty soon I hear his footsteps approaching, and I'm waiting. I'm like, is he going to break character? Is the whole scene going to fall apart because I surprised him with this thing? But he, he doesn't miss a beat, you guys. He's, I guess he'd done some improv in college. Um, <laughs> he, he walks up, and he's like, great, it's here. He picks up the owner's manual. I find out later he's freaking out inside. He's like, come on, you made a fucking owner's manual? Who are you? But externally, he was just like, oh, all right, I'll read the owner's manual, figure out how to turn this on. I'm inside, I'm like freaking out. I have a huge grin on my face and suddenly I'm worried that I'm not gonna be able to hold character, you know? But pretty soon he's rubbing his hands all over the sleeping bag. I'm getting wet. I'm getting so turned. It's so hot already. We haven't done anything. 
Um, and then he's unzipping me and he's inspecting me and he's doing all of the phrases that I asked him to. You know, he's like, oh, wow, this is just the model I ordered. Because I wanted to be objectified, but like a new car, not like a disposable piece of furniture, you know? <laughs> like, I, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's like, this is amazing. Um, and then pretty soon he's taking my lingerie off. He's playing with my pussy. He's, he's reading the manual out loud to me. It's like so fucking hot. And, um, and then all of a sudden he grabs the Hitachi wand. And he's got this sinister look in his eyes. And he looks at me and he says, now, robot... I specifically ordered the model that only comes when I tell it to come. And if you come too early, I'm going to have to return you and get a new one. <laughs> Which I was not expecting. <laughs> and was incredibly bold because the thing was, he had tried to do this like, orgasm control thing before, and I had totally failed at it. I kind of just come. <laughs> and, um, but all of a sudden I was like, no, I, I have to, I like, I have to do this right. Like I am not going to get returned. <laughs> I am the best robot. <laughs> so, so he starts, like, he just immediately, he puts the wand on my clit, and I am just like, I am so close already, and he's telling me to breathe, and he's looking into my eyes, and I feel so connected to him, and so connected to my pussy, because I am concentrating so hard on not coming. Finally, he says, okay, robot, you know what? If, uh, if you want, you can ask me if you can come. Like, if you want to come, you can ask me. And I'm like, can I come? And he's like, no. <laughs> no, I mean, this guy is fucking evil. <laughs> Finally, he lets me come, and it is so explosive, and I'm kind of one of those people that, like, once I come the first time, the next one happens quicker, and then more happen, and so pretty soon we're counting the orgasms, because, of course, if I make it to 10, then I'm going to dom him. Supposedly, it's what I wrote in the fucking thing. So, um, so we're counting and finally we get, we get to 10 orgasms and, you know, I, I say to him, I was like, you know what this means, don't you? And he looks back at me with this look that I can tell he is not entirely sure I am up to the task. <laughs> he's smiling. He's like, yeah. So I pull him over to the bed. I sit on his chest and I say, do you really think I can't overpower you? I kid you not, this motherfucker rolled his eyes at me. So I grabbed his balls. <laughs> and I said to him, I literally have you by the balls. Don't you fucking move. And then he knew I was serious. So I walk into the other room, I put on a new outfit, it's like this red and black lace dominatrix outfit, I've got black heeled boots, I fix my hair, I retouch my makeup, I come back in and he looks at me like his jaw is about to drop onto the floor, like I am the most beautiful, powerful woman he's ever seen in his life. 
and then I try to decide what the fuck I'm gonna do in this situation. <laughs> so I take a big gulp from my water bottle just to save time, and then I was like, oh, and I just spit it in his face. <laughs> Works like a charm, he loves it. So I put him on the spanking bench, I start torturing his balls, which he loves. I'm scratching his back, I'm spitting on him some more. I use the Hitachi on his balls. He's like freaking out. I walk over to where his face is at one point, I cup his face in, in my hands, and I say, you're completely obsessed with me, aren't you? And he said, yes, princess. <laughs> at which point I'm like, oh, I see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking cool. <laughs> so I, I torture his balls some more. I, I, I talk to him. I, I control him. I give him orders. Eventually, it just starts to feel like we might have reached the end of the scene. He hasn't come yet, but I'm starting to feel like if I push it further, I might start to get in my head. So I pull him over to the bed. I take his gear off, I, I take my boots off, and we're just cuddling, and he looks at me and he starts to cry. And um, he says, I've, I've never been domed by a woman before. And that was incredible. And at that moment, I just thought like, wow, we both surprised each other so much in this scene, and that was after so much planning. And it just made me think about how, you know, sometimes we think that like planning things out and mapping things out is gonna like, ruin the mood and, 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 and be sort of overly prescriptive or dorky or something. But what I found was that by taking the time to really talk about what we were trying to get out of the scene, how to take care of each other, what we really wanted, how we were going to do it, it actually allowed for so much spontaneity and so much creativity and most importantly, so much play. And I'm happy to say we are still in a relationship and we find ways to play every day. Thank you. First, you should turn it on. Wow, that's super helpful. It simply plugs into the wall, but you should be careful. The manual says, the manual says, don't place this object anywhere warm. The manual says, the manual says, this is only for use on your shoulders, back and arms. That doesn't make any sense. Why won't it include ways to get over my hangups and mood? I bet there's no woman in all history who read this and thought this clears it up so nicely. Oh, I see. It has somehow turned on you must have found the button so i just put it on your twat until i'm coming the manual says the manual says 25 minutes should be quite enough the manual says the manual says if it ever gets wet you must then turn it off that doesn't make any sense that's downright confusing maggie stop talking you're stalling you're snoozing well, This easy. I'm kinda scared that it's too much. Should 
I be breathing? This is pretty cool. If I'm being honest, though, words are becoming increasingly hard. It's feeling so, feeling so. <laughs> a songwriter, and a storyteller. That song was The Manual Says from Rachel Lark's new show, Coming Soon, The Musical. Body storytelling is currently on hiatus from live shows. We'll be back for that pervert high holiday Folsom Street Fair, so our next show will be on Sunday, September 25th for the Folsom Street Fair Kinktacular. It happens right after the fair in San Francisco. You can be there live. Go ahead and book your plane ticket. Or you can join us on the live stream. There's a link to tickets in the show notes. The GoFundMe that was started last year to cover surgery for Quake's torn canine cruciate ligament injury has now become an end-of-life expense fund. Quake is gone, and nothing can replace him, ever. But if you feel like helping me not drown under the weight of vet bills and the like from Quake's last days, there's a link in the show notes to donate. There are also links for other ways to donate. You can become a member of Body's Patreon, as well as Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. And thanks. That's our time for this week. Thank you for being here. It means so much that you join me every week. And I want to thank the team that make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Ruben Tan, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, and podcast producer Roman Den Houdiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 237 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. A big, a big love.